All right, we are ready to begin. Ready to begin. Come in, find a seat. Welcome back, everyone. Again, great to see you here this morning. Again, for benefit of the video, my name is Alan Dice. I'm one of the pastors here at Newport Church. Welcome. If you're watching live online or if you're watching the video sometime else after Sunday, don't forget you can always go on to the church website. You can always uh, watch the uh, sermons. You can get the sermon audio or video from the, from the church website, newportchurch.net. We are in the midst of a sermon series called New Seasons, Invitation to Journey Along with God into New Things. And this could be new seasons uh, for you personally, new seasons in our church, new seasons in our world. I love what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 46. He says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purposes. I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. And so from those verses, I get the point that God is always at work. God is working in our world. God is working in our church. God is at work in each one of us. God is speaking. God is moving. God is accomplishing, and he will accomplish everything he sets out to accomplish. God never stands still, even though sometimes we get impatient and it looks like God's standing still. We want him to act a little faster, but God works in his own way and in his own timing. And so this morning, I want to talk about becoming a person for all seasons, all seasons of life. Um, I'm sorry, I'm behind on my PowerPoint already. Becoming a person for all seasons of life. And I love, uh, many of you have heard of this scripture from Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, <clears throat> saying there is a time for everything, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to... Weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So, uh, you know, God says to us in the scripture that, that there are many seasons of life and there are, there are seasons that God calls us to in in every piece. God works through the seasons in our lives. A time for everything and, and a season for every activity under heaven. You know, notice that it's not all at once. All those things don't come together at once, but every activity and each part of our lives has its own season. You know, and a lot of times, at least for me anyway, the seasons that have come along in my life were not things I expected. They weren't things that I could see that, that were coming. And, and maybe you've had a, a surprising season in your life, too, where you're like, wow, where did that come from? I didn't expect that season to come along. But God works through the seasons, the bad seasons, the good seasons in our lives. And there are cycles of time for each, for each activity. And, and maybe if, 
you can look back at the past in your life and you can think, well, I see the seasons that I already have walked through. And I can see the changes. I can see the transitions. Because change is, like we said last week, change is a fact of life. And there are three stages that people normally go through when change comes along. First of all is, is resistance. You know, resistance to change. You know, I, I think that's sometimes the way I am. You know, change comes along and say, no, I don't want that to come. And then number two is tolerance of change. It's like, okay, all right, well, maybe, maybe I can put up with this if I have to live through it. And then, and then thirdly is like embracing the change. It's like, okay, I, I know this change has come and maybe it's a good change, maybe it's a bad change, but I know and I trust that God is going to work in, in my life through this change, through this season. And that word that I said, trust, is, is one of our key words for today, that we can trust God in every season of life, whether it's a good season, a hard season, we can trust God. Change. I'm reminded of the story of the little old lady who was listening to a lecture by Dr. Von, Werner von Braun, who was a German rocket scientist. He actually worked for the, for the Nazis developing rockets. And then at the end of World War II, the Americans basically kidnapped him and brought him to the U.S. to develop rockets for the U.S. And, and like the big Saturn V rocket that took our, our uh, astronauts to the moon, well, Werner von Braun uh, helped develop. Uh, it was his team of, of rocket people that, uh, that developed the Saturn V rocket. And this little old lady was listening to the lecture by Dr. Von Braun, and, and she stood up at the end of the lecture and said, I don't understand. Why can't we forget about all these newfangled ideas about going into space? And why can't we just be content to stay at home and watch TV like the good Lord intended? <laughs> God intended us to stay home and watch TV? I don't know. She wasn't ready for change. She wasn't accepted. She was resistant to change. You know, think of an area of your life where, where you've been confronted with change. And what stage are you in? Is it, is it resistance? Is it tolerance is it embracing change happens and God works through the seasons God works through each season of our lives and we can trust him to be able to bring good out of every season of our lives whether it's hard whether it's a good season I want to talk some this morning about those seasons that that come along that we just would rather not come along you know I don't know if you've had a season of life where it's like Wow, I wish that season of life was finished. I wish it had never come along. And, and it comes along out of our control. Those seasons do come. So uh, number two is recognizing and embracing the current season while releasing the past season. Uh, I heard the story. One man said to his friend, Wow, you're looking depressed. What are you thinking about? The other guy said, My future. The first guy said, what makes it look so hopeless? He said, my past. You know, so, you know, the, uh, the one quote says, you don't move ahead by looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you. It's not an anchor to drag you along. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. There's a story in Genesis chapter 19 in the Old Testament of this man by the name of Lot. Lot and his family happened to be living in a, in a really evil, wicked town called Sodom. 
And uh, uh, there were two, two cities there that were just completely, completely wicked and evil, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and the story from the Old Testament goes that, that God decided to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and, and bring destruction on, on, the, on the two towns for the, the wickedness that was there. And so two angels came to, came to Lot, uh, who was uh, like the only godly man who was living in, in Sodom. Uh, two angels came to Lot and his family and said, uh, uh, you need to leave. God's going to bring destruction on, on this town. Sudden change. You know. And verse 16 said that, that Lot was getting ready to go, but verse 16 says he, he lingered and, and he wasn't ready to, to leave right away. And the Bible says the angels had to take him by the hand and lead them out of the city. Now, I've, I don't think I've ever had that happen to me, where an angel took me by the hand and, and took me where I had to go, whether I wanted to or not. But, but the angels took them by the hand and led them out of the city, and, and the one strong instruction they received was to not look back. Don't look back no matter what you hear, no matter what happens you think is happening behind you with Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back. And, and, and uh, Lot and his family were being led by the by hand, by, by angels. And verse 26, the sad, saddest part of the whole story, uh, says that Lot's wife looked back and she became, she was turned into a pillar of, of salt. She was giving instructions not to look back, but she wasn't ready to release that past season that was, that was back behind her and embrace the new season that God had for them. You know, uh, all of life has, has these seasons, uh, my wife Julie tells me that that in my closet there are clothes that have lived out their season and they need to they need to go. I don't know if any of you can can relate to that or not. You know the rule is when when new clothes come in, old clothes have to go out. And I'm you know some sometimes I don't like that change. Like wow, I am really really connected to that old pair of blue jeans. You know I don't know if I can give them up, but but. New seasons come along, and, and the old has to go. You know, I don't know if you've noticed that even, even friendships have seasons. Um, you know, uh, you may have been really good friends with someone in, in school or earlier part of life, and then just things change, and, and, and uh, friendships have, have seasons as well. New seasons of life come along. You know, sometimes we hold on to things just because they're comfortable, and we like the past season so much, we don't want to let it go. Uh, but we either move on or, or we regret it later. So, so what are ways, uh, how, are, uh, how do we live in the past? Well, we, we live in the past by looking back and saying, uh, if only. We live with regrets. We, we wish we were still back there. If I could still be back there, uh, life, would, life would be great. You know, the Bible talks about... God bringing new seasons into our lives and, and new seasons that are coming in, in our lives and in this world. Revelation 21 says, In the future, uh, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and, and you know new things have come along. So what are the former things? Well, tears, death, uh, mourning, crying. Pain, all those things are, will be old things that have, will have passed away, and, and new things, a new season will be, will be coming 
when this is, you know, in the future when Jesus returns. So, so the key is to f- choose to focus ahead instead of looking back and, and perhaps asking constantly, God, what do you have next for me? What are, what are the next steps that you have for me in my life? So look, focusing ahead rather than looking back. And, and the one caveat, the one big exception I want to I say here is there are, ex, there are circumstances in which we need life's, uh, we need healing from life's traumatic events because probably all of us have gone through uh, something that was painful, something that was traumatic, something for which we needed healing at, at one point or another. So yes, we, you know, we uh, do go to the past and we ask God to bring inner healing for, for ourselves, but we don't live there the rest of our lives. We don't let the trauma define who we are. So a good example of this, uh, some years ago, I was knocking on the door of a house to, to deliver something. And I heard a dog barking really, really loudly inside. And someone came to open the door, and they opened up the door. And this, lo- this dog just launches himself at me. I mean, he's, he's uh, way off the ground. He's, he's gone through the air with his mouth wide open, coming straight at my face. And I happen to get my arm up in front of my face, and he, he clamps his teeth right, right here on my arm. And, and he's, he's hanging there just, just digging his teeth into my arm. And he finally lets go and bites my leg and then he runs off. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, so there, you can still see the scars on my arm to prove it years later. So if I let that trauma define me, how could I have reacted? Well... Maybe I said, I'm never going to get close to a dog again. Or I might have said, I'm going to become, I'm going to get a gun, I'm going to be a dog vigilante, and I'm going to rid the world of all dogs. Or, you know, because my arm is scarred, I I might have chosen, you know, this arm is damaged now, I don't think I'm going to use it ever again. Uh, uh, You know, even though all these might have been sort of logical at the time, None of these really would have been healthy results, would they? I mean, that, they wouldn't, really wouldn't be healthy things to say or do. So another reaction to trauma would have been ignoring it, pretending it never happened. Uh, you know, what? There's something wrong with me? Yeah, there's blood dripping down my arm, but I, I don't think anything happened. No, no, nothing happened at all. Something was obviously wrong. There were holes in my arm. So instead... When trauma happened, I needed healing. I needed to get care. And then eventually after healing happened, I needed to move ahead in a healthy way. And that, you know, what happens when we have pain, when we have trauma, when we have, when we have hurtful things that happen in our lives? We need healing. We need Jesus healing. We need uh, healing maybe physically or emotionally, mentally, spiritually. There may always be a scar like the dog print uh, teeth marks on my arm. There may be always a scar on your arm, on your soul, on your emotions, but we find God's healing power, and then we can begin to move ahead. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're dealing with a traumatic event or, or pain from your past. And, and today, you know, we have trained ministers here in Restoring the Foundations, Inner Healing Ministry, and we can help uh, you find, find healing or perhaps a Christian counselor or other ways, but... Uh, we choose to focus ahead rather than looking back, and we get the healing we need when, when, trauma, has, when trauma has happened.
Number three is that God is in control of the seasons of our lives. God controls, I like what one person said, God controls the seasons, but our attitudes and choices often dictate the length of the season. Huh, never thought about that way before. You know, think about when the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Israelites came out of slavery in Egypt. They were going to the promised land. And, and God told them specifically, you're, you're to go to the promised land. It's going to be a, a great place for you. And they were supposed to go and travel through the wilderness. And the distance of traveling through the wilderness should have taken them about 14 days to get there. And instead of 14 days, they, they chose to rebel against God. They chose uh, not to believe in God's word. And instead of 14 days, it took 14,000 days to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years to get what should have taken them 14 days. Their decisions dictated the length of their season. You know, other seasons, you know, sometimes just happen to us. They're out of our control. They're out of our influence. One of these is the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph in, in Genesis chapter 37. Uh, the story goes, you know, he was one of 12 brothers, and he was his daddy's favorite. And, boy, if there's, if there's ever a family dynamic that causes trouble, it's when parents have favorites. So parents don't have favorites because that just causes all kinds of trouble all the way through. Don't have favorites, all right? Because it caused all kinds of trouble for, for Joseph. He was his dad's favorite. And not only that, but God spoke to him prophetically. God spoke to him prophetically and showed him dreams and visions. He, uh, as, a, as a young person, probably a teenager, received dreams and visions from God that, that uh, basically were interpreted that his family, his father, his brothers were all going to be bowing down to him, that he was going to be the most important one. And... You know, it probably wasn't the wisest thing to do, but Joseph goes and tells the whole family about his dreams. Like, this, this is the dream I had, that we all had sheaves of wheat, and, and they all bowed down to my sheaf of wheat. And, and everyone understood what that meant. Like, Joseph was going to rule over all of them. He is one of the younger sons. And uh, the, uh, the brothers didn't take it very well at all. They, they uh, realized that this this young whippersnapper was uh, telling them that, that he thought he was going to be the, the head of the family. And uh, it, it didn't go well. And so there was all kinds of jealousy and resentment. And then the father gets this uh, uh, fancy coat for Joseph only, and no one else in the family gets one. And uh, there's all this resentment and anger and things going on in this family, which, you know, this is the family that eventually is in the line of ancestors of Jesus. I love how God just sort of puts all the good and the bad and the ugly here in the Bible, and you get to see people's uh, faults, and you get to see all the things that, that happen to people and how, how he was at work in people's lives, no matter what. So, uh, you know, of course, many of you know the story that, that Joseph's brothers see their opportunity. They're out in the field, caravan of... of uh, of traitors was going by, and at first the, the intention was just to kill Joseph and, and get it over with. Well, nice brothers, right? Uh, my brother's going to kill me, you know? Uh, but they decided, now let's spare his life. Someone, uh, one of the brothers talks him out of it, and they sell him as a slave to this caravan of traitors. And so here's Joseph having gone from daddy's favorite to 
being a slave, heading toward Egypt. He's sold as a slave to a, a rich family in, in Egypt, and now here, here he is as a, as a slave. The Bible doesn't indicate anywhere that Joseph became bitter, that he complained. In fact, uh, the Bible says God was with him all the way through this journey, all the way through these seasons of life, going from daddy's favor to rich family down to being the slave of a, of a family in Egypt. God was with him, and God helped him to prosper in this new horrible season of life. And uh, Genesis 39 says that the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph, you know, would have been uh, justified in, in just throwing up the towel and, and saying, I, I think my life is done. But he changed with the seasons. He still trusted, uh, trusted in God. Even as a slave, he rose to the top of authority in the household because of his godly attitude, because God with, was with him. I believe Joseph worked hard. I believe he showed he was trustworthy. Did you ever work with someone who goofed off when the boss was away? I, I've worked with those kinds of people, people who, who uh, hey, the boss is away, let's, uh, let's just mess around today. Joseph ser served, I believe, wholeheartedly, whether or not the master was watching. Joseph did all he could, so his master and the whole household succeeded and prospered. Joseph chose a godly attitude, choosing a godly attitude. Now, the story goes on of Joseph that through no fault of his own, He's falsely accused of sexual misconduct by the boss's wife. And as a result, Joseph goes from bad to worse. He goes from daddy's favorite of a rich family down to being a slave, down to being thrown in prison, which, you know, most people in Egyptian prisons didn't, didn't come out alive. Uh, but again, God was with him in the prison. And, and the, you know, the Bible story says in the prison, Joseph had God's favor and he, again, he rises up to be in charge of the whole prison. Uh, and, and it's in this place in the prison where God keeps giving Joseph the ability to interpret dreams and, and uh, this prophetic gifting. And so Joseph interprets the dreams for two fellow prisoners that the, that the king had put in there, two, uh, the butler and the baker. You know, you think he'd have, he'd have learned his lesson about interpreting those kinds of dreams, but he, he didn't, you know, he didn't walk in, in fear of the past. Uh, his focus was on obeying God. And, and the, the butler whose dream Joseph interpreted was able to go back to the palace and, and serve Pharaoh. He promised to remember Joseph and to get him out of prison. Didn't happen. And Joseph lived two full more years in the prison. He was in for a long season wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why am I here? Well, dreams kept happening. And this time, it was Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who had a dream about, uh, you know, cows coming out of the Nile River and things like that. And Pharaoh was so disturbed and had no idea what it meant. He asked his, his advisors. He asked everyone in government what this dream meant, and no one knew. And then the butler re remembered, you know, there was a guy back in prison who interpreted my dream, and it came out completely accurate. 
I bet he's still there. And so the butler and Pharaoh call, call Joseph out of the prison, and, and Pharaoh explains his dream to, to Joseph, and Joseph says, this is what God has shown me the dream means. A, you know, a big famine is coming to the land of Egypt. And uh, Joseph not only explains to Pharaoh what, what the dream means, but Joseph explains to Pharaoh what Egypt ought to do to survive the famine. You know, we need to take some of the harvest. We need to store it away. We need to put it in grain cities. And, and so when the famine comes, we have, we'll have food to eat and we won't die from the, from the famine. God was in control all this all, all the way through. And as a result of, of uh, interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph goes from slave to prison to second in command of all of Egypt. And it wouldn't have happened that way if his brothers hadn't sold him into slavery. God was with Joseph to save the entire nation of Egypt. In fact, uh, you know, he saved the nation of Egypt from starving. And, and guess who? heard that there was grain in Egypt and came to buy grain in Egypt, Joseph's father and his brothers. And I could imagine what, what temptations might have gone through Joseph's mind when he sees his brothers coming to buy grains. Like, what? Really? You're hungry? Oh, yeah, I remember what you did to me. I, I'm not sure I want to sell you any food. Yeah, I, I, like, I like you being hungry. Go back home, you know. But he, he sold food to his he sold food to his brothers and actually ended up forgiving them and they were they were reconciled together as a family. He didn't quit because circumstances weren't as he expected. Seasons came along, unexpected, out of control seasons came along in Joseph's life, and he trusted in God to be uh, working so that he could move ahead in what God wanted him to do. To reap a harvest in every season, we must not quit because it's not going as we expected. I've had seasons in my life where it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that was going to happen that way. But we choose faith in God no matter what the season because you never know how and what God will do when you trust him. All right? You never know how and what God will do when you trust trust him, just like Joseph. Who could have figured out how God would have worked all that out to get him from being daddy's favorite to slave to prison to being second in command of all of Egypt? How, who, could have, who could have predicted or figured out how that could have worked? God did it. And so you never know what God will do when you trust him. Now, this, this fourth point, uh, I find a bit controversial, is that the winter season is vital for proper growth because some of you know that, that I have strong uh, beliefs and convictions about summer and winter, and, and uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather not admit at all that, that winter season is necessary, but here we go. Uh, one writer writes that under the covering of snow, the winter garden appears dead and lifeless, but, but the gardeners know that the garden seems to be sleeping. But that's an illusion. The garden never sleeps. And all winter, there are subtle but vital changes taking place. Under the soil, the cold is working its magic on the seeds and bulbs and roots. Even the cold winds have a role to play to ensure flowers and fruits appear later in the year. Without the winter cold, gardens would be less beautiful in the summer. A period of cold weather is essential to many plants and crops. Without it, some would struggle to grow at all. 
while others would not flower or, pr or produce crops. All right, so maybe there is some good purpose for winter and cold weather after all. I, I'm just going to have to uh, uh, admit it grudgingly there. There is a little bit of a, of a good reason for cold weather. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 says, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so I'm sort of comparing here at summer uh, season to uh, a good, easy, fruitful, productive season where things are going well and, and the winter season where things are just going uh, in, a, in a difficult way. And we're to, the Bible says we're to rejoice with those in summer. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we're to, we're to grieve and we're to weep with those who are in winter, uh, those who are weeping. So you may be in a summer. You may be in a winter. Uh, there may be someone around you who's, who's in a winter season right now. And the Bible says we need to be sensitive. We need to, to uh, grieve and, and walk alongside those who are in hard seasons. And, and uh, you know, we're supposed to rejoice with those who are in, in good and productive, fruitful seasons as well. No matter what, no matter what season, we can always experience joy in every season of life, including winter. doesn't mean you're enjoying it, but we can experience joy in every season. I love the uh, verses in, in Jeremiah where he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in him. He is like a tree planted by water, sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, is not anxious about the year of drought, does not cease to bear fruit. Notice that the tree doesn't always have good times. It's got times of drought. It's got times of heat. Uh, you know, there, there are bad things that happen to the tree, but what happens to the tree? It never stops being fruitful. Even in hard times, even in good times, it never stops being fruitful. You can be fruitful and prospering no matter the season in which you find yourself. I was speaking some time ago to an elderly woman in a healthcare facility, and, and the questions she asked were, why am I here? What purpose does my life serve here now? And I noticed that when the staff came to tend to her, she would, she would smile. Sometimes she'd have something funny to say to make them laugh. And I, I told her, you know, your purpose right now can be to encourage and cheer the people you meet. Because there's power in simply smiling at someone. A, a kind word or a smile can change someone's life. So even the, the smallest things in life can, can bring a difference, can bring a change. You know, in our church here, we often are or oriented toward young people in our ministries. It's, it's children, youth, and young adults. That's great. I'm so excited to see a growing, booming children and youth and young adult ministries. You know, local Dove churches were founded uh, on, a, on a youth movement, after all. And, and we, we need to keep on remembering that we're a church not just of, of children, youth, and young adults, but we, we minister to all generations as well. And, and some of those generations that are here this morning, the sandwich generation, where you're uh, in, in a certain age where you're taking care of your children and your parents both at the same time and trying to figure out and juggle how to, how to care for, for both. And, and then there are you know, empty nesters, people whose, whose kids have, 
have flown the nest and they're figuring out how to adjust to, to a new way of living. And, and people who've retired and, and, you know, they say that uh, uh, things that bring stress to your life are not always, you know, the horrible things. Uh, but, you know, they make a list of, of stressful items that people walk through in their lives. And, and retirement is, is right in there because it's a change. It's a, it's a new season. It's trying to figure out how we're going to live now after we've, we've gone through this change. And so, uh, you know, retirees and, and those moving, you know, upward in their golden years. And so we need to recognize and minister to people of all generations and, and figure out how to, how to help people who are walking through all kinds of seasons of their lives. It's just like uh, last Sunday, the young parents sending a child to kindergarten for the first time. What was the name of that uh, breakfast? The, the boo-hoo-yee-haw uh, breakfast for uh, uh, parents who are, who are sending their kids to kindergarten for the first time. And, and just like those young parents, older generations also face you know, new seasons of life, unique challenges that they've They've never faced before. You know, how do I deal, deal with, with health issues that I've never, I've never seen before? How do I deal with retirement? How do I deal with downsizing my house? How do I, how do I care for my parents and children at the same time? Number five, ask the question simply, what's in your hand? Because a person of all seasons uses what he or she has. Don't focus on what you don't have, but it's looking beyond ourselves into the next generation to help them reap and, and to harvest as well. Um, in the Old Testament, there's the story of, of Moses, who uh, God was calling to go to Egypt to lead the slaves, children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses wasn't too keen on the idea when God sent him. And, and Moses said, look, I, I can't do this. I'm slow of speech. I, uh, no one's going to believe uh, that, that you sent me. You know, how, how am I going to do this? And finally, God gets frustrated. And God says, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses said, there's a staff. And, and God says, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it turned into a snake. And, and God said, reach out your hand, grab onto the snake. And he grabbed onto the tail of the snake, not the head of the snake. He grabbed on the wise guy, and he grabs the tail of the snake, and it turns back into a staff again. And, and God says, use what's in your hand. You go to Pharaoh, and you confront him, and you tell him to let my people go, that God has sent you, and you can use the simple things, whatever is in your hand, God says, I'm going to use to bring my people out of Egypt. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and uses what, what God has, has given him, uses just the simple things, the simple staff that is in his hand. And so the question for us this morning is, what's, what's in your hand? What, what do you have to use? What, what unique talent or quality? Maybe it doesn't have to be anything fancy at all, but, but what one or two things are in your hand that you can use for God's glory? In, in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where uh, the master, the uh, king of the house gives to his servants one five talents one two talents and one one talent according to his ability and the and the parable of the talents jesus said he left on a long journey when he returned he said all the accounts and the first two were faithful with their talents the one who had five multiplied them to five more he had ten for one with two multiplied it to two more he had four 
one with one talent was afraid and didn't do anything with his talent and uh, was rebuked by his master for not even using his one talent. And so the story was his talent was taken away and given to, given to someone else. We are to use the talents that God has given us, whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's uh, whatever abilities or talents or resources, whatever is in your hand, God calls you to use those for his kingdom and for his glory. We'll give an account to God for what he's, he's given to us. Have we been faithful or have we given excuses? So to be a person reaping in all seasons, we stop using excuses, stop complaining. If only my spouse would agree or if only my family would agree or if only we had more money, if only I was younger or older, if only I had more time, if only uh, I had children who would do this or that. God is calling us to use what he's given us, the simple staff in your hand. God says, I'm going to take that simple staff that's in your hand and I'm going to use it, no matter how insignificant you think it is. One talent is all you need to begin. You'll be giving at least this. So it's time to rise up. It's time to use what's put in your hand. We can trust God in the hard seasons. We can trust God in the easy seasons. He is trustworthy. He's here. He loves each one of you so much. And you can put your trust and your faith in him. Next steps for you this week. Number one, become a follower of Jesus. Because without this, all the rest, uh, all the rest of this means nothing. And that means we put our faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he came to this earth as our, as our Savior, as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that when we believe in Jesus, he comes, uh, his Holy Spirit comes to live in us. He forgives us. He wipes our slate clean of, of the sins that are in our lives. And we can follow him each day of our lives with the power that he gives us. Number two, we recognize the season of life that we're in right now. Maybe it's summer. Maybe it's winter. Maybe it's fruitful. Maybe it's challenging. But we can follow God. We can trust him in this season of life. And so what is good right now and what is hard about this season of life? We're going to let this slide up here so you can think and ponder about this a little bit. And then we're going to ask God to increase our faith in the times of challenges. Number five, ask God to show you what's in your hand that you can use for him. What staff do you have? What excuses are you using? And focus in on what you have rather than what you don't have. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come. We'd like to be here to pray with you this morning. I feel like God is, is speaking to some of you. God is stretching some of your faith this morning. God wants to pour out new trust in him this morning. So, Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray for each heart here. I pray for each life, each person who is perhaps struggling, perhaps walking through a summer season or a winter season, a fruitful season, a challenging season. And, Lord, we, we recognize what, what's good and what's hard about this season. But, Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith in you. Lord, I pray that, that we'd be able to trust you in the hard times, trust you in the good times. And, Lord, would you show us what is in each of our hands that we can use for you, from the youngest here to the oldest, uh, what excuses that we can put away, and Lord, that we can step out and focus on what you have for us. So thank you, Lord, for 
this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working. Thank you, Lord, for new seasons that we can embrace. Thank you, Lord, that like Joseph, as unexpected seasons come, we can still trust you. We can still put our faith in you, Lord, that you are moving, you are working, and you are bringing about good from what looks like pain and trauma. So thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, I bless this church as we go from here today in Jesus' name. Lord, let us be those who follow you more closely, who, who uh, uh, trust you even more deeply this week, who walk with you and talk with you each day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you here this morning.